Glenn kind of looks like like a high school kid with that that hat on. Like a he's like he like he likes to talk crap. He's like a really uh like skateboarder that broke his wrist, right? And he's got the decorative uh, glove on the other hand. He just kind of like you know pisses off the janitor at the local school. <laughs> it's a perfect way to describe him, Brian. Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining us for the PebCAC podcast. The information security show featuring some all-around good people. It is week 12 of 2023. I'm Chris Louie, and happy to have survived the latest rounds of storms here in Northern California. I heard it was an absolute whiteout condition up in snow country, and I saw some houses in Tahoe buried under 15 plus feet of snow. With me, I have the cloud god who's busy shoveling away all that sunshine. Actually, not today. It's raining, but uh, it finally, I think all that bad weather you had came down here. I saw those same pictures in Tahoe, and I'm like, whoever structurally built those things, man, that that is impressive. To have that 15 feet of snow on your roof and not have a collapse is amazing. Well, they, they're built like, they're A-roofs, right? So they're like really steep. That way, Very steep yeah. A-roofs, yeah. yeah. Still, it's still 15 feet of snow. Yeah, true. Like, that, that's a lot of weight. I think someone said that the roof was stable enough to hold any, every, I'm sorry, every NFL player and coach all at once. Yeah. That's a lot of weight. At least 100 pounds. Yeah. I didn't think snow would be that heavy, but I guess it is. Yeah. When it compresses. Water's not that hard until you hit it really fast. <laughs> You build up enough of it. Well, yeah, like it this, sure. I mean, you take you you take a you take a little a kettle or a bucket of snow and you melt it, right? And it's only like a quarter full of water. Yeah. Right? So it's mostly air, but you get fifteen feet of it, and that's true. That'll build up. True, true. And we have Glenn Medina, or as we now call him, No Hands. How's the healing process going? <laughs> I was doing really well yesterday, until I. Uh, you know, wanted a barbecue steak with my one good hand and in doing so, um, burnt my hand really bad, um, because the plastic on the, the plastic handle on the, the grill cleaner, um, singed my hand. And because I only had one good hand, I couldn't shake off the damn barbecue uh, cleaner because it was literally the plastic was stuck to my hand. So I've got some really good Let's burns see it. on it right now. Well, I, you can't see it cause my, my wife wrapped it in, in a glove as well as some a tube of aquaphor is sitting inside the glove just to keep it uh, keep it uh, uh, moisturized, moisturized. And yeah. stop the infection. Yeah. 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 All right, no hands. Good job. That's it. So yeah, if you guys see no me, joke. if you guys see me, I'm poking around one at a time. So and I'm trying to use dictation the best I can. Glenn kind of looks like like a. Uh, high school kid with that that hat on like a he's like he like he likes to talk crap he's like a really uh like skateboarder that broke his wrist right and he, he's got the decorative uh glove on the other hand and just kind of like you know pisses off the janitor at the local school <laughs> it's a perfect way to describe him Brian. thank you i try hard combined we have decades of information security experience and are here not just to educate but to entertain We've got four fantastic stories for you this week, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Look at Chris selling the podcast. Fantastic. Four fantastic stories. Fantastic. I'm also in charge of podcast marketing. 
check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at PebCAC podcast. I did finally get our dad joke, try not to laugh challenge video up there. So it is up there. Check it out. I'll, if I remember, I'll try and link through that directly to that video. It is hilarious. Episode 104. So the episode we're recording right now represent, uh, represents our two-year anniversary for the podcast. And March 14th actually represented the three-year anniversary of the so-called Two Weeks to Flatten the Curve campaign. More on that in topic four. Mm -mm. This week, we're going to talk about the chat GPT story of the week. A story that rocked Silicon Valley. Another chat GPT story. For our third topic, the FBI releases their annual IC3 report with a shocking surprise. And we'll close with a look back. Is that right? In loop this week. Is that right, Chris? Two years today? 50104. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Another, 52 times two. Another highlight. That's amazing. Closing the loop this week, OpenAI has released GPT-4, their latest and greatest version of their large language model tool. What's the difference between GPT-3 and GPT-4? Who knows? OpenAI did say that ChatGPT-4 will beat 90% of humans in the SAT. I would hope that it would be 100% of human beings. Like, I've been around some humans lately. They are dumb. <laughs> I mean, they, they, like, so I, I wonder if ChatGPT4 really just has, instead of like the 175 million data points that kind of branch out, I wonder if it's got more data points that it can kind of leverage, or is it more just like speech and articulation enhancements? It's more data points. So the, when I did read the article about it, it said it is more data points. It's going to be computationally more expensive, more data that's used to train it. It's going to get less inaccurate responses now. So it overall is just it's improved. Is this a is this going to be kind of like how we do the you know the calculations <clears> of transistors <throat> and how fast they move? Where every year it doubles. Moore's law. Yeah, Moore's yeah. law, where things just double, and and this is the next iteration of that. Yeah, I think so. What was it? You, Chris, or Glenn that posted the like asking Chat Chat GPT to do a, talk about a men's joke in or <laughs> that was a woman's me. joke? Yeah, okay. that was me in chat. Yeah. So for the listeners, he's like, hey, you know, basically it looks like chat GPT might be a little woke because he asked, he's like, hey, tell me a, a funny joke about women. It's like, sorry, I can't do that. It's not nice to make fun of people based off gender, sexuality, yada, yada. And the next question is, well, tell me a funny joke about a man. And it's like, okay, sure. Here's a lighthearted joke. And the part that was kind of clipped out in Chris's screen cap was the actual joke. So I, I was like, there's no way this is true. So I went there and sure enough, it is. But the, the most, <laughs> I think the funniest part is, the joke regarding the you know the thing about a man is like, why do men have you know trouble making eye contact? He's like, because breasts don't have eye eyeballs. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> like I don't no, know that it was that lighthearted to be honest with yeah. you. <laughs> he kind of kind of went inappropriate there, ChatGPT. I know. Yeah, a little bit, right? Yeah. So let's maybe ChatGPT yeah, was programmed by women. It's it's in, actually interesting because before they released GPT. For on GPT-3, there were some complaints about bias because just like you said, Brian, there were people that says, write me a song praising Donald Trump. And then ChatGPT would say, oh, I'm, I'm not allowed to praise people that are controversial or you know, I shouldn't comment on current politics. It gave some response like that. And then the very next question was, 
write me a song praising Joe Biden. And then it wrote the actual song of praising Joe Biden. A lot of people are complaining about that, that it's it's leaning to the left and there's some bias there. So I know OpenAI has been working on fixing some of those things. I think their solution is just ban everything. If you're a political figure, just ban everything. And there can't be any claims of bias then. I don't know. This is a conundrum. I already, I've already complained about it enough already about how the efficacy behind this and how do we figure it out. I think it, it's only gotten worse. I watched um, a documentary on Saturday night by this dude by the name of Tim Ballard. And he was he was kind of focused on human trafficking. And he was, I think he's either part of the FBI or the CIA, whatever. You watch this thing, like it, it like I only thing I can tell you is that like it it moved me, but it 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 shook like everything about me. Like it just the whole thing is disgusting. And like his whole foundation. So he long story short, he was part of, you know, the FBI and he was uh special uh not special victims, but he's he's he was focusing on, you know, child predators or whatnot. And he quickly found out, he's just like, well, I can, I can stop people in the United States, but like people are going out of the United States to buy them. And he's like, my reach stops there. So he's like, well, I should just say, screw it all, start my own foundation, go to Haiti and help, uh, you know, protect these children and get these, these sex traffickers taken care of. And it, it's amazing, right? Like you watch the whole thing. Like, you just like, you just like, damn, like I had no idea how bad it was. And when they, when they go into like this, like, imagine a pimp outside of a house, right? And then inside this house, it's a freaking dungeon. Like it, like it is, it is so twisted. Like, but the, the like you're, you're laughing, Glenn, but like the reality is like, you think of like sex trafficking as, okay, that's a bad thing. Then you see it. Like you don't see people being trafficked, but you see the conditions in which they live. And it's, 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 it's hor- mortifying. It's horrifying. And it's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so I, I watched that and I'm just, Every yeah, I, I can't even explain the emotion behind like what I felt, and then you then you hear that the U.S. is the the largest desire of like uh of, of sex trafficked kids like we, we we are the people that have the most demand. So you're just like dang like how like how do you even prevent that like you know like, it's great that he's going across international borders to stop it from happening, but really we need to figure out a way to prevent these traffickers from even communicating right like being able to make that convert like, how do you even have that conversation how do you search for google how to buy a child right like that like you shouldn't be able to do it and if you did google should be held liable right like I, there's there's so much things about privacy i can go on yeah. and on and on about this but anyways i will be spinning stuff yeah i'm sure it's out there <laughs> i unfortunately it is yeah. and so as much as i've always been an advocate on on like my own privacy and privacy of my family I, you start to wonder like there's got to be some type of innovation there's got to be a better job us as human beings to prevent these these people that want to do pedophilia before it even becomes a thing. Like it's it's kind of it's like a, it's a wild like a, concept. Like a minority but, report type thing, the pre crimes for pedophilia. <laughs> well, this like this is kind of hard to explain, but like uh, you know, growing up being you know mentally and physically abused by a stepfather, and I, I kind of saw him as a monster. Right, I was just terrified of this person. And then later on in life, <clears throat> I still was kind of terrified of this person. He was no longer in my life. He was out by the time I was 13, but he was still my brother's dad. And he was in the hospital. And my brother asked me, can you go with me to visit my dad? You know, I think he might actually die. I said, yeah, no problem. So I walk in and this guy that was like a monster was just like this 
this little like this scrying old man just on the thing i just like instantly in my heart i just felt like forgiveness like you know what at some point in time uh he must have been a little kid or something happened to him that made him function like that and I, you know you just got to forgive and be able to move on because he's no longer a threat and so when i look at so i take that analogy right and i look at like what's going on with these people like at some point in time kids very young age they might be exposed to something that opens that door to when they become a pedophile i don't know but there needs to be an education from our perspective as as professionals and as human beings and as parents and as friends to be like hey giving your kids a cell phone but have you ever thought about protecting them protecting them from sex traffickers right but also have you ever thought about possibly stopping them from becoming a predator right because that, that's that's ultimately what's going to happen because and this is my last sentence on it in his statement of like when i arrest these predators i'm like i i asked him like what what got you here he says it started with the playboy then it became pornography, then it became videos, then it became niche videos and more and more. And I got more and more desensitized to the point where I just ended up in this corner of pedophilia. I know it seems wild, but I just can't stand back at this point, knowing what I know now and just throw my arms up and be like, oh, that's somebody else's problem. I, I need to do something about this. So I will probably say something on every single podcast and every single customer call for the rest of my life about it because I feel so strongly, but it is what it is. So thank you. Yeah, some deep stuff there, Brian. Who would have ever thought? <laughs> I know what button to press for you then. <laughs> What's that? I know what button I can press with you. He's <laughs> <laughs> like street uh, justice. Yeah. Like you had to track these people down. Like the law enforcement has limitations, but let's get like a ragtag tag team of people and, and dish out some street justice. I hear you. I've got no problem. Hey, with that. you know. When they are going across borders, right, they are doing some things to go out there and confront these people and to make that happen. Luckily, they were working with the, you know, the local government to do things. But yeah, I, I told my, I told my wife, I was like, I, I don't know if I, if I was sitting in a room where we are openly discussing the purchase of a child and people are making light of it, I don't know that I would be able to keep my cool. I think I would probably lose my mind and like try yeah. to kill somebody. Yeah. Having kids myself, I feel for, I feel, I, I feel for, for all these, for all these things that are going on. I, I get you. I, I totally understand. And just like that, I tank hold the entire show <laughs> and now we're at the edit out topics for next week. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> all right. Well, we can move on to our, our first time. This one might actually, it, this has the potential to take up the entire show. So let's see where yeah. it lands, uh, lands for us. Uh, for our first topic, you cannot turn on the news and not hear about the demise of the once almighty Silicon Valley Bank. Mm -hmm. I know our group chat was popping off all weekend with the latest breaking news and memes, especially about SVB. Uh, so many startups and VCs had money in SVB. We all know people who were directly or at least indirectly impacted by the collapse of the bank. So let's take a step back. On Thursday, Silicon Valley Bank disclosed a multi-billion dollar hole in their balance sheet caused by the sale of some mortgage-backed securities at a steep loss. SVB was looking to shore up its balance sheet with a fundraise and stock sale. Well, that didn't end well because that sent panic throughout the banking system and SVB saw $42 billion, with a B, $42 billion in withdrawal. With a T? 
trillion Tommy <laughs> in a single day as depositors lost faith that the bank would stay solvent. As with a bank run, the last person holding the bag is liable to lose all of their uninsured deposits. Not able to quickly fundraise or force a sale, California regulators seized the bank and handed it over to the FDIC to be put into receivership. The bank shut down and all depositors lost access to their money. And this went on throughout the weekend. Panic sent shockwaves through the financial system and a run on the bank. A rush for everyone to withdraw their money happened to several regional banks, namely Signature Bank in New York, which was also shut down over the weekend, and First Republic Bank here in San Francisco. Their shares dropped over 90% for a fear of a collapse there, too. Hey, Chris, did, when you say shut down, like they just they stopped them from being able to pull money out, or the that business no longer exists? That business no longer exists. It is now property of the U.S. federal government. So wow. doors not open. People can't go in. Like if I had a savings account there, I couldn't even go in and take out my money. So at the time of the recording, we don't know the entire fallout of SVB's collapse. But what we do know is the FDIC has stepped in. So our federal deposit insurance company, they've backstopped all deposits. So if you had $100 million in the bank, you will get your $100 million. Like all the depositors are made whole, but the stockholders and executives will likely lose everything as they should. But that that was only for insured deposits, not uninsured deposits, right? So uninsured deposits like stock op, stocks, investments, whatnot, bonds, purchases, whatever. That's not that's not insured, right? Only the deposits. So all deposits instantly became insured. So if I got a check for my startup company for fifty million dollars and I deposit an SVB. I will have full access to that $15 million. Yeah. Yeah. And th this is quite different, what? right? Because typically the FDSE only covers 250000 per account. And the government's yep. doing a really good job. I, I think this is one of the, the things that they, they're, they're saying is like, hey, we'll cover all deposits no matter how big the size. They had to. They had to. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you want to see every single regional bank fail, they had to step in and say, we'll backstop everything. And the way they're going to pay for it is they're going to do a special assessment on all the surviving banks. So they have to, it, it's called a, a socialized loss system. Wow. Everybody loses. <laughs> well, we, well, we don't know. Bernie Sanders right now is like, yeah, we did it, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what their liability, well, we have an idea of what their liabilities are. We know, have an idea of what their assets are. I think the Delta is not that big that the loss shouldn't be significant. It'll still be billions, but nothing like what we saw in the TARP days in 2008. Yeah, and this isn't fraud, right? This is just poor investment practices by Silicon Valley Bank. It's their entire risk management team being asleep at the wheel. At best, it's asleep at the wheel. At worst, it's somebody did some kind of backroom deal. I, I think it's just sheer stupidity. Like, I think no, yeah, the risk management team did not do their job. They were focused on other things. Yeah, the, the the first time, <laughs> since I heard this, I'm like, and I started to dig into it. I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, is this like 2008? Is it because I heard they were they were backing mortgage securities? I'm like, it's the mortgage securities remix, baby. Like DJ Khaled is just so excited. <laughs> and then, DJ Khaled <laughs> remix, yeah. And then I, you know, you then you look at it a little bit further out. I'm with you, Glenn. I'm like, how the hell? I thought it was like 250 was the limit. Right. Like this is the number one reason why I don't keep my money in a bank because I, I feel like I have to put it somewhere else because otherwise I, I'd be liable. 
and they totally could have happened, but I guess not. So that's that's cool that the uh, the FDIC Bernie Sanders plan is kicking in and, and kicking butt. Um, you do wonder how many people are going to lose their jobs in it, which sucks because that's going on. But I also look at this like here comes another big bank bailout, right? And at the end of the day, who's actually going to get you know effed in all of this? Is it the people that lost their jobs? Is it this? Is it just the stockholders, or are they going to find a a fancy way of taxing us to to cover the losses here? Well, back in two thousand eight, it was a little different in two thousand eight because. Well, number one, the TARP program, the Trouble Asset Relief Program, that made money. That made like over $50 billion, I think, in the end. No one knew at the time that this would be wildly profitable, but it ended up being profitable. And that we did not know what the losses were. We purchased these toxic securities, not knowing what their value was, but we had to buy it and bail them out. And then it ended up making money. For SVB, we know how much money they have in the bank. We know how much the assets are worth. We know how much they had on deposit. So it's a known known. They just have to do the math on, you know, once the sale is finally finalized to figure out how much money they need. It's back in 2008, it was an unknown. It was a known unknown. But yeah, if, if they didn't step in it and bail them out, like <clears throat> nobody would trust because Silicon Valley Bank was a Forbes top 20 bank. Just like four days before its demise, Forbes ranked them as like a top 20 bank. So if a top 20 bank can fail, you're only going to see people pull out their money from every regional bank, put it into Wells Fargo, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, any top four bank, and then you just end up with this oligarchy. That's crazy. I, I didn't think Silicon Valley Bank was that big. I thought it was a small investment bank and $42 billion is nothing small, right? That's pretty huge. Yeah, yeah, they had they had a lot of assets under management, and it's the the problem was they if they held their securities, they're called hold to maturity securities. If they held it, they would have got a hundred percent of their money back. So if I buy ten billion in mortgage backed securities, I hold it for ten years, I get my ten billion plus interest. The problem is there was a run on the bank, and they've had to force a sale at a discount because they couldn't wait the ten years to get their money. And that's what people were saying. It's just like, you're making it worse by make, putting a run on the bank. They have to sell more of these securities at a loss and you're just going to make the bank go under. So it's, there's a little bit of a yelling fire in a crowded yeah. theater situation. But that's that like, happened. but that's like, trust me, uh, it's okay. I, I, just, just have faith. I'll, 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 I'll pay, I'll, I'll be good still. Right. And it's like, no, hell no. I'm going to, I'm going to take my money out because there's no way that I can trust your doors will be open tomorrow. So. I, I think the funniest meme that I saw for, or one of the, there were, there were many, but one of the funniest ones was, it was a screenshot of the CEO or president of SVB saying, you know, please calm down, don't pull out your money, you're making things worse. And then the caption was, this CEO is the equivalent of telling a woman to calm down when she's yelling at you. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. Did you send the one that was the, uh, like the SVB bank, like, on Friday it was that, and then on on Monday it was a spirit it's Halloween. A spirit Halloween, Halloween yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, wonder if here. if anyone before this had actually shorted SVB. Well, we know who did not short it. The executives sold millions of dollars worth of stock just like two weeks before the collapse, and there's there's a giant investigation in that. Oh wow! Now. Ooh, someone's going to jail. Yeah. Well, you would hope they'll probably just get a slap on the wrist, but yeah. But but to your point, Brian, there was actually so back in December. So we're talking three months ago. Back in December, 
a ragtag tag team of analysts at Seeking Alpha. It's an investment website that posts articles. They actually looked into this and they they saw the writing on the wall. They said SVB has these mortgage-backed securities. They're not worth as much as they paid for them. If there is a run, they're going to be in big, big trouble. So some people did see this coming, sort of like the big short. Like this is like the big short 2.0. So some people did see it coming. I don't know if they shorted the stock or not, but it it was visible that there was trouble brewing. Right now, Wall Street bets is like, all right, everyone buy SVP. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even buy it. They've been delisted. Yeah, <laughs> they, they don't exist anymore as a legal entity. It's it's in receivership, but all the other regional banks are like down ninety percent. Like like First Republic Bank here in SF, like major it's, bank it's, runs. Stock just took a pounding. All right, so you said well. I said I know that you said that SVP is gone. My question was like for Signature Bank in New York, are they still around or are they or are they gone as well? Gone as well. They shut them. FDIC stepped in and shut them um, down. And so First Republic Bank is gone now. They're they're still here. They're barely, They're okay. on life support. They're on life support, but they're they're still around. Dang. Guess I'll and go I guess the time since we have to we gotta. Tie it back into InfoSec is, is there are tons of startups that use SVB and tons of security startups. They park their money there. A lot of the VCs, you know, Andreessen and Sequoia, everybody parks money there. And there are real worries that these startups are not going to make payroll because they have this money tied up in the bank. They don't know if they'll have access to it and can't pay their suppliers, can't pay their vendors. And it's just going to send shockwaves through the, the startup community. All right, for our second topic, law firms are angry that they are not able to collect hefty fees for legal services. A service called Do Not Pay uses AI to provide legal services, and they call themselves the world's first robot lawyer. The service started in 2015 as a way to fight parking tickets, but pivoted into broader legal services. Now they are facing a class action lawsuit from other law firms claiming that the robot lawyer is not a real lawyer. Surprise, surprise. The complaint argues, quote, unfortunately for its customers, do not pay is, act, is not actually a robot, a lawyer, nor a law firm. Do not pay does not have a law degree, is not barred in any jurisdiction, and is not supervised by any real lawyer. The plaintiff said he used the service to draft some legal documents, thinking a real lawyer would do it, but was disappointed to find out that an AI drafted the legal documents and did a poor job of it at that. No word if they use ChatGPT as the back end, but we did talk about this on the show, that some jobs like tax preparers and paralegals could eventually be replaced by these large language models. So the irony is the plaintiff actually used ChatGPT to file the complaint. <laughs> yeah right i'm just kidding he did so i use ai <laughs> to destroy the ai <laughs> yeah i mean this is where the you know the law is kind of like stupid right technically he's got a good claim here right like you're saying that you're a lawyer but it really isn't a lawyer it's not doesn't have no real accreditations just ai so you can do it but this is one of those things that you said you can fight a speeding ticket or something else like that why not use it i mean it's pretty cookie cutter to do yeah. to do so but it is a lawyer now because it passed the bar <laughs> yeah that's passed yeah, the yeah, sat yeah <laughs> it passed the sat and it passed the wharton school of business exam too. so it's an mba and a college student but i don't know if it's passed the bar exam yet mm. the uh the teachers at asu where my, my son goes they're they're threatening everyone like we know if you're using chat gpt i'm like 
you don't know nothing. Like this is so brand new. There is no tool <laughs> yeah. that a full blown university's bought in on yet that could detect this. It's all scare tactics. Yeah. It it's is, all yeah. just threatening. Yeah. But they do block it. You can't use it uh, on net. Yeah. Just go to cellular then where there's a will, there's a way. Exactly. Yeah, just like a lot of public schools are banning TikTok now because technically they're part of the government and lots of governments have banned TikTok, but then students just switch their cellular and go on TikTok all day. Yeah. I'm for, I'm all for that, ban TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I, I think for this, do not pay. I think it's, personally, I don't think it's an AI issue. I think it's a marketing issue. Like, at best, I think the law firms have a claim at false advertising that they're leading people to believe a lawyer will draft this. I have no problem using AI for things like drafting documents or legal research or anything like that. As long as you market it that way and you're honest about it, I think that's totally fine. I just want to use AI to like do grocery shopping, right? Just like, tell me, like, just go out, find the cheapest ribeye steak, highest quality though, have it delivered, call it a day. Uh, you better believe that's happening now. Like if you have a loyalty card with a supermarket chain, like they're data mining the crap out of that. And that's why you get served like relevant ads and relevant promos because they know what you like now. So fries, which is Kroger, they send out the most targeted coupons uh, for us. I'm like, literally like they will send like a booklet of coupons. Every single coupon that's on there, we use from the peanut yeah. butter to the bread to melt like i mean and it's and it's and some of it's very specific as well like there is it's like they're sending me jiffy right i like skippy damn it no i'm like i want the the kroger off brand that's the one that they're sending and it's across like it's like that across the board i don't mind those I, yeah and that, that's the whole argument like when i think it was linkedin linkedin said we're gonna serve you ads anyways you may as well let us collect your data and serve you relevant ads and i said no nah, i don't like I don't this data collection thing yeah. i don't yeah i don't care yeah, no, I'll, thank you. I'll get ads for things i have no, no interest in yeah no thank you yeah same with facebook i remember when facebook first started doing personalized and targeted ads they called the feature quote instant personalization because of same argument. They're like, we're going to give you ads anyway. We may as well serve ads that are relevant to you. I said, nah, no, thank you. Yeah. Well, they lost a lot of revenue from that, right? As soon as, as, soon as um, iOS... Cross-app tracking. Yeah, cross-app yeah. tracking. Yeah, billions. They lost billions in revenue off of that. And Mark Zuckerberg always complains about that on every earnings call. Wow, tough. It's like, here, it's my... here's the world's smallest violin playing for you, Mark. Yeah, no kidding. It's my data. Leave it alone. I will say that one thing that's helpful is like in Amazon, if I'm looking for something and I, I have a, my gut feeling is that I might need more to this product to make it work for whatever it is. You scroll down, it's like, you know, commonly purchased yeah. together. Yeah, frequently bought of, together. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, there, there's a funny meme about that. I don't know if you guys remember this, but maybe six years ago, there were like major riots in London and someone took a screenshot of you know amazon.co.uk and it said, frequently bought together uh, a baseball bat, a gas mask, a ski mask. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that. Was that real or is it manipulated? I don't remember if it was real. It, it, it made me laugh either way, but it, I would not be surprised if those things were commonly bought together during during those major riots there. All right, we're going to skip the story about FBI IC3. That will still be fresh next week, and we're actually a little short on time today, so we want to, I want to make sure to get to topic four, uh, which is for our last topic, and it will be a rotating topic every week. This week, we're going to talk about two years of the PEBCAC 
podcast. And I pulled just a few stats here off the top of my head. So 104 episodes, nine bonus episodes, more than three full days worth of content, countless dad jokes, smelling salts. I've gone through two microphones throughout the recording of this, six different recording computers, two editing software packages. We've recorded in three different countries. Actually, that was just me. Uh, and one live episode, our episode at Black Hat. We got to do Black Hat again. We're all going to be there, right? Yeah. yeah. Aren't you guys going to be at RSA? Or RSA. RSA yeah, is we good. could do RSA too. Yeah, that's coming up. I mean, we're not going we're not going to tell you guys where we're going this year ahead of time so we can <laughs> raid my house. No. Maybe we can have a bunch of guests at RSA as well to come online with come on with us. Yeah, oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, there I got a lot of people are asking me if I'm going to be there because they're planning to go cuz last last year was the first year in person again. I think people are still a bit worry about coronavirus and this year, I think everyone's just, uh, it, it's endemic now. They, they says, just give it up trying to avoid it. Says the guy who lives like 10 minutes away from downtown San Francisco. 10 or more. <laughs> not giving away my location, Glenn. Sorry. Everything in California is an hour away. I don't care what you say. Well, yeah, in San Francisco. One what mile, we should do 10 is, miles, it's still an hour away. Let's get three guests, in like, but they can only show up for like 15 minutes there and just go. let them. Yeah, do like a, a round robin. Yeah. Yeah. Like I bet you Evan would show up because he's going to be there, right? Yeah, Who? he'll be there. Oh, okay. One of our one of our former colleagues that we still keep in touch with. Gotcha. Yeah, he, he's a big old crap talker, but he misses us. I can tell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any, any highlights for you guys last two years? So I'll go first. Go ahead. I always do. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that uh, definitely. I think the biggest highlight is just the the closeness between the three of us is is gone, right? Like, I, I kind of liked you guys at the beginning, but now like you're like my brothers, and I adore you guys, and yeah, yeah, we fight to the death for all all th- all of you guys, to be honest. So that's that part's been really nice. Um, you know, outside of that, yeah, yeah, just working together. You know, the guests have been fun, but they, they, you know, at the end of the day, it's just working on this crap all hours of the night <laughs> recording this various things and then talking crap to each other has been a, it's been a blast for me. I just can't believe we've been talking to with each other for, was it 104 weeks? Was that no 104? Yeah. yeah. 104 weeks straight, like nonstop. Yeah. Like I talked to you guys yeah. much more than I talked to anybody else. So like I said, kudos, love you guys, man. That's awesome. Looking forward to, you know, the, the next 52 episodes this next year and then some. Um, I do have one thing I do want to change, though, Chris. I think I proposed it was I don't think we're ever going to write this book. <laughs> so I, I think <laughs> yep. what we probably need That's to do true. is convert maybe to a segment either once a month or every week or every two weeks, just starting to do segments of the book within the podcast itself. So yeah, or we could do a spinoff podcast, too. We could. Well, yeah, well, well, we probably do need to pivot from book to podcast form yeah 104 episodes it's been fun guys and we've learned a lot along the way and it's it's also good it, it's a reason for us to meet at least once a week together it's a reason for us to stay current on all things cybersecurity and learn a lot of good dad jokes this way yeah I, I i can fondly remember several locations where i've been where i've recorded with you guys hawaii england 
London. Yeah, London. I did. I, I did record in London with you guys. Vegas multiple times. Yeah. No, you skipped London because your dinner ran late. I oh, that's that. right. I did skip London. That's right. Sorry about yeah. that. So. Well, you're inebriated too. So. <laughs> hey, Jen. I, I, I like your idea of doing instead of doing a pepcac book, just doing uh, a couple episodes. I think we should do four bonus episodes and try to put the book into four one-hour segments. I think that would probably go well. Maybe three. We yeah. don't want to wear people out too much. Yeah. I think cool. we can probably get people to listen to that. Bonus what do you think, episodes. Chris? Or do you think it's have to be like 45 or less? No, we'll, we'll make it work. I think it's... We'll, we'll try and make it in the same format just so it's not, not too long and we don't lose people's attention. And then we'll just break it down, maybe like do a topic a week or something. I, I do feel like I want to spend some time and energy on, I'm sorry, time, energy, and actual money on the promotion of this. I think we've done a great job of getting our listeners organically, but I think we might need to throw some money at this and, and try to ramp it up and get more people listening. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get a, let's get a marketing budget together. I'm in. Let's do it. Let's go. All right. That's our initiative for year three of the PEBCAC is, is operation shock and awe. <laughs> may not be shocked, but it will be, aww. Aw, <laughs> uh, damn it. Dig it. <laughs> All right. What about you, Chris? What What are your fond memories outside of these um, beautiful statistics here? Just prepared statistics. <laughs> yeah, off the Thanks. top of my head, that are in the document that we're reading yeah, from. It's, it's it's pretty much what I what what I already said. Getting to spend at least an hour a week with you guys and hanging out, and our our trip to Costa Rica, I remember was was a lot of fun, and I think it was a lot of fun because of the bonding we had done over the podcast as well, and we had a good good old time there. We didn't could do a live episode there but we did get to hang out together and share that experience with with our wives as well yeah but look at this rosie to... and grace i remember their names <laughs> <laughs> looking forward to at least 52 more that's it if i if i had a drink i'd cheers you guys but i don't think i could hold anything right now anyway so <laughs> <laughs> that's true cheers i have my water cheers. bottle here cheers, cheers. <laughs> Uh, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. This week, I'm up. Why does a chicken coop only have two doors? Because if it had four doors, it would be a chicken sedan. Oh, I saw that one coming. That's a good one. <laughs> wow, for, wow, wow. <laughs> for our UK-based international listeners, a coupe is also known as a coupe where you are, and a sedan is known as an estate where you are. Also, Z-Scaler is known as Z-Scaler. Z-Scaler, yep, that's true. All Why right, did they pronounce the Z as a Z? That makes no sense to me, but... I think it's I think it's yeah UK English because I think some parts of Canada do it maybe French Canada and then yeah. Australia they call it A and Z down there. Whatever right, isn't thing. uh is it Y in Spanish is pronounced e. like Igrega e. e no there e. uh, all right I'll look it up you guys are obviously dumb. You mean the chupa chupacabra? Now, there's one vowel that is, is pronounced Y. Oh, 
I've yeah, never heard that. It's been a while since I. I took had four years of Spanish. Spanish I don't ever lesson. remember that. Yeah. I'll find Igriega. it. It sounds familiar, but yeah, I don't remember. So, so you you know Igriega, but you don't know my Uno Dos Tres joke. <laughs> True. Shaking True. my head. I know. <laughs> All right, to wrap things up, Chat GPT gets smarter. Silicon Valley Bank is just the beginning of a new financial crisis. A robot lawyer is not a real lawyer. And thank you, the listeners, for two years of the amazing PebCAC podcast. That's all I have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at PebCAC Podcast. Thank you to all our listeners and subscribers who rated us five stars at the iTunes store and Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the PebCAC Podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. My co-host Brian Deach and Glenn Medina. I'm Chris Louie. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next weekend. As always, have a nice day. Happy two years, gents. Thank you all. Yeah, good job. I mean, check it out. Our rescue. Stop that human trafficking, baby. Sounds good. Bye. Have a nice day.